Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Things That Matter Most podcast, where we dissect practical and spiritual and cultural issues using Jesus's message as our starting point. My goal is that you find yourself encouraged, challenged, and equipped to live more like Christ every day. My name is Pastor Isaac, and I have the privilege of hosting this podcast, and we are moving in to the 11th episode of the podcast, where we're continuing our series on Bible Basics. And so far, we have really talked about who is God and who's the Holy Spirit and who is Jesus and what is the Bible. And I'm really excited about today's episode because we're answering this question. What is sin? Now, this isn't going to be a completely comprehensive study on the various ways that sin is addressed in Scripture, but rather this is designed to give you practical talking points um, with your children or with your parents or with your siblings or spouse or with your coworkers to say, you know, this really is what we believe the Scripture teaches on what is sin and ultimately what is our solution to sin. And so without further ado, let's jump into this episode titled, What is Sin? Maybe one of the most profound things that I came across while I was working through the preparation of this episode of the podcast and also the overview episode that we did a while back was this idea that um, sin is not something that makes us sinners, but rather we are already sinners and the outworking of that is that we sin. And I think that that's like really encouraging in a lot of ways. Uh, Romans 3.23 says this, For everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. And 1 John 1.8-10 says this, If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Then lastly, Romans 5.12 says this, When Adam sinned, sin entered into the world. Adam's sin brought death, and death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. And so when I think about this idea of us sinning because we're sinners, rather than we're sinners because we sin, I think that it's actually a little bit encouraging to think about it that way. Here's why. When Adam sinned, um, we all became sinners by default for the rest of human history. That's just the way it is. Um, that's the pattern that we see in Scripture, and that's the truth that we see laid out, which means this. We're not unlike anybody else. A lot of times we get caught up in this problem of looking at the lives of the people around us and comparing ourselves and judging our life based on this standard that we somehow come up with. Um, it's usually unique. We look at one person or another person. We say, well, I'm better than that person. I'm not as good as this person. You know, and as long as I'm better than somebody, then I guess I'm really kind of doing okay. Um, but the reality is, is that we are all alike. All of us sin. The wealthiest person sins and the poorest person sins. The most privileged person sins and the least privileged person sins. And in that way, we all have this common connection and common bond together, which is that we really are broken. Um, as sinners, we're broken and we're in need of help. So we're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. And I also think that this brings a seriousness to the situation that we find ourselves in. As much as it's encouraging to know we're not alone, it also should help us go, oh, wow, this is something I really need to address. Second Peter 2 verse 4 says, For God did not spare even the angels, who sinned. He threw them into hell in gloomy pits of darkness 
where they are being held until the day of judgment. And so it helps us to go, wow, okay, so I have to pay attention to this. And so does everybody that's around me. So is everybody that I'm with. So do my loved ones, so do my family, so do my coworkers. And so as much as this idea brings us encouragement to know, hey, you're not alone in your human condition, it also brings seriousness, which is like, even though you're not alone, this is a really big deal. So what is sin? Uh, the Oxford Dictionary has like a very basic definition that says this. Sin is an immoral act considered to be a transgression against divine law. The Apostle John would put it this way, 1 John 3 verse 4. Everyone who sins is breaking God's law, for all sin is contrary to the law of God. Sin is an immoral act considered to be a transgression against the divine law. It's something, honestly, that goes against God. Let's look at the very first time a human being actually sinned against God. I want to read this passage out of Genesis chapter 3. This is verse 1 to 8. This is the story of when sin entered into the world, and it does give us a good picture of this is what sin is. And all sin is really some variation or, or some story that plays out like the story that we see here in Genesis. Now, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say to you, you must not eat of the, of the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat from the fruit of the trees of the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and then you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. And the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and that the fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom that it would give her. She took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt great shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. That is the story of how sin entered into the human race. And that was Adam, and that was Eve. And from that point on, their children and their children's children and their great-great-grandchildren and everybody from there has been sinners. Because by one individual, sin entered into this world, and that was by Adam. You know, he made the choice to sin. What they wanted to do, as Tim Mackey of the Bible Project often says, they wanted to define good and evil for themselves. But that's not okay. Because God says, you don't define good and evil for yourself. I define good and evil. And you rebelled against me. And he is the definition of what's right and what's wrong. And so even though we don't necessarily understand, well, why is it that God would make like an arbitrary thing like a tree to not eat from it? Why would he make that, you know, a sinful action? And we don't completely know. But what, what it does is it sets up an opportunity for Adam and Eve to freely make the choice to obey God or to disobey God. You know, in our culture, it's hard to talk about sin. 
Um, it's just hard to talk about sin. People claim it's not our place to judge others. Uh, if you've heard kind of the expression, only God can judge me, or who are you to judge me? Or um, I can I can do what I want. Like, who are you to tell me what to do? Here's the problem. Um, this is a half-truth. And you especially hear this half-truth in churches, which is like, it's not my job to judge you, or it's not my job to dot, dot, dot. Well, again, that's like a half-truth, because as as followers of Jesus, it certainly is our job to hold each other accountable to following um, God's command and God's standard. So in that regard, how can you not judge somebody if it's your job to make sure that they're living up to the standard that they've agreed to be held accountable to, right? And so it is true that we don't need to to judge people in the sense of um, condemning them or judging their outcome or their fate, like you would think of a jury saying, here's, you know, the consequence and the judge, or the jury saying you're guilty and the judge saying, here's your punishment. That's not our responsibility. Not totally anyway. There's some glimpses of that, like how we're supposed to handle various scenarios within the church. But um, it's a really dangerous half-truth to say it's not my job to judge anybody. But there is a partial truth there. And the truth is that it is God that judges. Um, but the way that that's manipulated by our culture is to say that nobody has the right to tell anybody else what isn't, isn't right and what isn't, isn't wrong. And that's dangerous because God clearly has laid out a moral law that we're supposed to target. And so when we do talk about sin, it puts a target on our backs. Uh, John 15, 18 says this, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. Because when we talk about like sensitive things, um, let's just literally jump to the super top of the list. If you talk about abortion and homosexuality and transgenderism and gender rights and equality and those sorts of things, um, it paints a really big target on your back if you want to be faithful to the scriptures and faithful to what God's moral law and moral standard says. Uh, we're told uh, not to say no or that's wrong, especially if it's outside of the cultural narrative. And so the idea of you telling me what's right and wrong, unless it lines up with what we currently are driving towards as a culture, then you're wrong. And it does really put a target on your back. And here's here's what I think is actually super, super important that I, I personally think our biggest problem is when we don't admit we're sinful in the little things. I mean, I struggle with this all the time. There's all sorts of little things here and there that I choose to behave sinfully in. Um, and it's not like the big crazy things, right? It's not like money laundering or murdering somebody. But it's just how do you use your time? What type of thoughts do you indulge in? You know, um, what about your just um, integrity with speaking truth or speaking lies? Right. It's the the biggest problem we have oftentimes is that we think we're okay because we're not committing really big sins. But rather, it's really important to say, you know, I need to just acknowledge all the little things in my life, the outburst at my children or the outburst at my teacher or my friend who I spoke really critically towards or the gossip that I did behind somebody's back. Uh, Romans 12, 1 to 2 says this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know what God's will for you is, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And I think that that's beautiful because it says, you know, your whole life, every aspect of your life is designed to be given to God to be used for his glory and for his purposes. 
And so when we, we put a target on our back, when we say, I'm going to be held accountable for the little things, for how I file my taxes and for what I do or don't take for my place of work, or for the test that I do or don't cheat on, or for the, the money that you know I spent that I lied about having spent, or the little thing that I took from this person or that person. And I think it's when we do that, that I, th- I think a lot of us live in, a, in low-grade bits of shame and guilt because we've never really acknowledged that we don't live our lives for Christ in the little ways. So big question, how is it that I deal with sin? Sin is missing Jesus's mark, right? Sin is anything that transgresses God, which we all do. It misses Jesus's mark. And so how do I, how do I deal with that? Well, the beautiful answer is that Jesus provided a way, and it's the only way that we can actually deal with sin. John 14, 6 says this, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. You see, correctly behaving doesn't provide true freedom. It is only Jesus that can actually provide true freedom. And it's only him because he's the only one that can actually forgive our sins because he's the one that literally already took the weight and the burden of that sin and suffered the penalty and suffered the consequence for that sin. John 8, 31 to 32, it's a beautiful passage, says this. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teaching and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Sin makes us want to hide in the dark. Sin makes us not want to talk about it. Sin fills us with shame and with guilt and with lies. And that's why we need to talk about our sin, because shame is a tactic of the enemies. There's a little bit of a difference between shame and guilt. Guilt is a feeling towards something you've done that you need to resolve. And shame is is that you have begun to identify the sin that you did or the guilt that you feel with who you are. You're not good enough. You're never going to be able to overcome this. You're not qualified enough. You can never um, you know, overcome the way that you lied or the way that you cheated or the way that you manipulated or the way you treated your siblings or your spouse or whoever. Shame goes really deep, but it's all a tactic of the enemy because Jesus said the truth will set you free. You see, repentance brings true freedom. Jesus's half-brother, James, put it this way in James 5.16. He said, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you could be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power to produce wonderful results. Repentance brings freedom. When we look at our sin and when we decide, I'm going to turn this sin over to you, God, man, Jesus says, that is the beginning of the freedom that I've promised you and that I will give you. So this is where I encourage you. I encourage everybody, myself included, be vulnerable with others. And man, is that hard. Real vulnerability goes against every single fiber of our, of our being because it is vulnerability that it just opens up to your soul. And it is so tricky. John, first John 1, 5 to 9 says this, and we've already read a little bit of this, but I want to read the rest of the passage. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. 
But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus. His son cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. You know, one of the biggest lies that we believe is that I'm the only one that has these problems. And that's why understanding that we're all sinners is helpful. Because when we believe the lie that I'm the only one that struggles with something, it makes us want to hide. It makes us want to run away. But I want to encourage you, there is nothing that you can do that can that can limit or lower the love that Jesus has for you and the forgiveness he offers you. There very really may be natural consequences that we experience because of the decisions we make, but it doesn't change how God sees us. We might get a time out like our parents might have given us, but we're always hugged afterwards and said, I love you, and I hope that you've learned your lesson so you don't get hurt in this way again. Let me throw a bottom line on all of this. Let me just summarize. Um, the bottom line is that sin is unrighteousness. Righteousness being the perfect character and standard of God. Sin is unrighteousness. Anything that is against God is a sin. Sin separates us from God because there is no sin in God. Sin is incompatible with God and therefore cannot be reconciled with God. Sin creates separation, and without Jesus, this result is eternal separation, which cannot be reconciled. Sin hurts us, our families, our friends, our church, and the world. Sin entered into the world through one man and death shortly after. Likewise, the power of sin was broken by one man, and salvation, reconciliation with God, justification or the paid debt, and the ability to grow were all given to us by Jesus. And so when we think about sin, I think that it's just important to go, you know, this is a real problem that I need to deal with, but we don't have to be discouraged because we know that we actually have a way out of sin. We have Jesus who says, just come to me, come to me, and I'm here to help you. And his promise is that anytime we do that, anytime we're faithful in that way, we absolutely will not be disappointed because he is always faithful and his promise is always true. So when you're having conversations with your friends or with your family or with your loved ones or with your coworkers, whoever it might be, I hope that you feel equipped to say, you know, what is sin? Well, sin is anything that is against who God is. Sin is anything that misses the mark that Jesus set out for us. And everybody is sinful because everybody misses that mark. But Jesus came and he said, I will take the consequence of that sin so that you can be right with God. And all you have to do is confess your sin, turn from your sin, turn to God and freely embrace the gift that he has given you. As I hope you do find this to be an encouragement and that you can share this message with people around you so that you may even be able to impact one of your friends or family members or whoever it might be for the rest of eternity. And so until we're together again, I want to say thank you for joining in on this episode of the Things That Matter Most podcast.